This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. they have come from the loins of Abraham. What is he saying here? He said, okay, we're talking about this issue about tithing, and he's trying to let the reader, first readers know that, hey, Melchizedek compared to Aaron, right? Um, you know, in Numbers chapter 18, the children of Israel were given a commandment to tithe to the priests, to the Levitical priesthood. Okay, they were to tithe. Why? Because they didn't have land. They didn't have a livestock. In the Old Testament, the role of the high priest was crucial. He would mediate between God and the people and offer sacrifices for their sins on their behalf. But these were temporary and imperfect. When Jesus died, he claimed that role. How does he do it? In today's message, Pastor Eddie speaks about how Jesus fulfills that role. Jesus isn't just some high priest, but became the perfect high priest. Jesus is the sacrifice that was perfect and forever. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 7 as he continues his message, The King Righteousness. is that mediator between God and the people and people and God, right? Now, who is the mediator between man and God? Jesus, very good. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. He says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and the man, the man Christ Jesus. So we have... Uh, This Melchizedek is the king of peace, king of Salem, king of righteousness. He is a priest and a priest of the most high God. Interesting to know, by the way, God never, ever allowed a priest to be a king and a king to be a priest. Well, with the exception, hold on to Melchizedek. Hold on to who's the only one that's a king and priest that we know of? Jesus, right? But God did not allow one man to hold both offices. Never allowed a man to sit on the throne as king and be at the altar as priest. God never allowed it. And so you'll find that you'll find a king and a prophet, as David was a king and a prophet, or a priest and a prophet, as Aaron was both a priest and a prophet. But you'll never find a king and a priest. As a matter of fact, just to prove that God would not allow it, if you remember the story of King Uzziah, King Uzziah, you'll find this story in Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 18. Read that whole chapter for yourself, but I'm just going to give you a short version of that story. King Uzziah was a very successful king of Israel. Uh, he expanded the military. He, he began as a king very early in age. Anyway, so anyway, here's the story, the background of the story, because it's a big chapter, right? So anyhow, um, you, King Uzziah, you know, he was a, a successful king, and what did he do? He felt that he can get off, he's king, he has authority, who's going to boss him around, right? 
he felt, well, yeah, I'm going to go into the temple. You know, I'm giving you my version of the story. I, I was going to the temple, and I want to burn some incense. Priest is supposed to do that. He went, he left his throne, went into the temple, wanted, and started to burn the incense. And guess what? The high priest, along with almost 80 other priests, tried to stop him. They tried to stop him. Now we can look at that verse. 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 18. And it says, And they withstood King Uzziah. Very dangerous thing to do, but the priest had to do it. And said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the son of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary. Ooh, telling the king, yeah, speaking in behalf of God. Get out of the sanctuary. For you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. And as soon as they said that to him, I'm the king. He got angry. What happened? The Lord struck him with leprosy. At that very moment, the Lord struck him with leprosy. Because God did not allow it. God does not allow a man to have both offices. You know, uh, being a king, governing a city, a people, and to be a priest. So, I don't know how it plays out today, but that's the reason why. It's not really wise. If God called you to be a pastor, uh, don't run for office. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. Who, what, what are you doing? You're working for God, you're working for the government, you know, and, and, is it, and we know how that goes anyway. So God did not allow it. And there's only one who is king and priest, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Anyhow, um, the three wise, well, they're not three. They were the, the, the wise men, it could have been 50, it could have been 1,000, we don't know. Uh, the, the reason why they say three is because of the three gifts. When they went to see the Christ child, they presented Christ with three gifts. The gifts symbolized something, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the reason why they gave him gold is because they knew that he would be king. They gave him frankincense because they knew that he would be priest. They gave him myrrh because they knew that he was king and priest and he would die. The myrrh to embalm the body. You see? And these men were wise because they studied the Septuagint. They, that's, that's the Old Testament and translated in Greek. And they were looking for the Messiah. And the gifts that they gave to Jesus represent who he was. They knew the prophecy concerning Jesus. So they were really wise because they kept seeking after Jesus. Back to Hebrews. Back to Hebrews. Let's look at verse 1. We're really moving, right? <laughs> For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And so now the writer, he's pointing out to a time when Melchizedek mysteriously appeared. It's the only time. And just to give you a little background of Genesis chapter 14, we had the four kings of the north, which is the region of Babylon and Persia, who conquered the five kings of the south, which is the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what did they do? They took Abraham's nephew. Remember, Abraham and Lot, they kind of you know, separated because the land was too much for them. And Abraham said, hey, if you go to the, you take the left, I'll go to the right. If I, you go to the right, I take the left. Lot saw the beautiful city of Sodom and Gomorrah. So he said, I'm going to Sodom and Gomorrah. So he goes out there and what happened? He's taken captive later on, his family, the people and all their goods, all their possessions. Uncle Abraham heard this. What did he do? At this time, his name is Abram, by the way. He gathered 318 of his trained servants. 
318 of his trained servants. What does that tell you? He had a lot of people working for him. That's just his trained servants. 318 of his trained servants, they rescue Lot, the people, and got all the goods back. And after that victory was done, poof, here comes Melchizedek. And we're going to read that. Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20. It says, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out, hmm, interesting, bread and wine. Does that give you a picture? Bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham gave Melchizedek, him, a tithe of all. Interesting. The only time he appears, the first time priest is, uh, is mentioned in the Bible, is right after this victory. He comes out with bread and wine, which is a common staple in those days. Mean, you know, when you meet people, is a communion of friends. You know, it's, re, it's just having a relationship. But we can see the picture here. It just keeps getting brighter. You, know, you could add that to the list of evidence, but we see here that Melchizedek is a priest of Elion, the Most High God. Just in that passage there in Genesis 14, he prays and bless in the name of the Most High God. He identifies the Most High God as the possessor, the creator of heaven and earth. Okay? He identified Abraham as one who is blessed by the Most High God. And so we can see the picture here. They both serve the same God. They both serve the same God. And notice that Melchizedek blessed Abraham. That's the next point we're going to, the, the, the right of Hebrew points out here. The fact that Melchizedek blessed Abraham proved that Melchizedek, and here it is, this is what he's trying to get here. He, according to the order of Melchizedek, that Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. Can imagine the first readers of Hebrews. Really, Abraham, Father Abraham, you already said he's better than Moses, the great grand poobah of the Jews, and now he's better than Abraham. Who is this Melchizedek? Well, his priesthood is better. And because he blessed Abraham, proved that he is greater. Drop down to verse 7. Look at verse 7. It says, Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better or superior. So if I bless you, that means I am not just kidding. That's not what that's talking about. But, you know, that that's not what it means. It just shows the superiority of who Melchizedek is. We are blessed by God. You know, we're blessed by each other, but it's different when God bless you, right? It comes directly from heaven. And so Melchizedek is superior. He's better than Abraham. Is he? Yes. Let's look at verse 2. It says, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being translated king of righteousness. And then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. And so we read back in, in Genesis 14. It says in verse 20, Genesis 14, 20. And blessed be God most high. Who has delivered your enemies into your hands. He's talking to Abraham. God. Our God delivered enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, a tenth of all. And so Melchizedek blessed Abraham. And Abraham now gives him 
a tithe. You know, Melchizedek is greater than Abraham because it was Melchizedek who blessed him. Now, the fact that Abraham gave a tithe to him also proved that Melchizedek is better, right? You getting the picture here? Am I losing you? No, I'm not. Okay. Don't worry. This is all going to come together at the end. Okay. I'm going to pass the plate because it's talking about tithe. Not just kidding. <laughs> so, you, you, should, you should hear the laughs here. The people that really laugh knows I'm joking around. The one that don't want to give is like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. You see a lot and you hear a lot from up here, by the way. <laughs> Verse, now, now this tithing here, tithe means a tenth. It means a tenth. And so we can see that tithe predates Tithe predates the law of giving of tithe by 600 years. It's a principle. Abraham proved that principle. Let's look at verse 3. It says, he's without father, without mother, without genealogy. Without father, without mother, without genealogy. Now, I find that interesting because isn't the book of Genesis about beginnings? Don't we find many genealogies in the book of Genesis? And so to not have, you know, information about mother, father, or genealogy about this individual, uh, Melchizedek, find it very strange because it doesn't go together with what Genesis is all about. Now, we're talking about, we look at two things here. Number one, we're looking at a time when the earth was not really populated, okay? Okay. And second of all, they took pride, ancient Middle Eastern people, they took pride, and I'm grateful for that, that's why we have the genealogy in the scriptures, um, they took pride in keeping good records of who's the son of who or who's the son of who. That's important, because it tells you who that person is. As a matter of fact, it was important, even in, with the New Testament church, with the birth of the church, that you know how some people, Paul talks to the people in Thessalonica, you know, they talk, you know, there was a group of people who say, Well, I'm from the Levitical priesthood. Yeah. My father, 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 my father's Abraham. No, Aaron. Okay? And so they thought because, you know, they are part of this Levitical lineage that they had some, you know, something better, they were better than other people. And Paul had to put it, you know, had to correct that. There's no more priesthood, by the way. You know, in the Middle East, you know, years ago, uh, they took pride in who they were. Uh, when you asked them, they introduced themselves. They always say, my name is, uh, let's say, Menachem. My name is Menachem, okay? I am the son of, who is the son of? They took pride. They took pride in who they were, and they let you know who are their son, who is their father, their grandfather, their great-grandfather, all the way as far as they can kind of repeat, as long as... The conversation is, right? Now, today, and mostly here in the West, people introduce me. I'm John Doe. Yeah, I got a master's degree in here, and I got a, uh, you know, BA here, and, and, and an associate's degree here, and I got, I'm, I'm a former CEO, and, 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 and I'm, I'm a, you know, intelligence officer, or I am a, you know, consultant for a big firm, Acne, whatever, you know, and, and that's what we do. It's all about me, myself, and I, and all your credits. It wasn't like that. So I find it, you know, when you look at the consistency of scripture, when a person is introduced, who are the children? I mean, we actually, the first time, we actually kind of passed over some of the passages, right, of chapter 36. We did something that we never do, nor ever will ever do. And we, you know, it's just a genealogy of Esau. 
You know, try reading those names. You take that home, try reading those names. And, 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 and a lot of commentators actually not only pass over portions of that chapter 36, but they actually go skip the whole chapter. Because, you, you know, usually when they named, gave people names, they had the meanings were in the text. So they can actually give you the meaning of the names. We were unable to do that. I don't see, I searched high and low. We're not following the genealogy of Esau. We're following the genealogy of Jesus Christ from Adam, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way through, right? So, you know, this is why I find it interesting that, you know, there's no mention of his father, mother, or genealogy. So let's read verse 3 to the end. It says, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days or end of life. I mean, really? No record of his birth or death. But he goes on. But made like the son of God, remains a priest continually. Wow. I mean, I've, I've read a lot of commentators that try to water this down. Oh, it just means that there wasn't a record of his death. Nobody really knows him. But let me tell you something. Everything fits. The rite of Hebrew inspired by the Holy Spirit. They mean like the son of God. They worship the same God. He comes in out of nowhere. No mother, no father, no genealogy. Does it have beginning? Does it have an end? Does it, who that points out to you again? Jesus Christ, right? He's the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. It points perfectly to Christ. Let's look at verse 4. Now consider how things, how great this man was, Melchizedek, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. So two reasons why he tithed to him, two reasons, two reasons why he gave him tithe. Number one, because he's better, he's superior, he blessed him. Number two, because of his priesthood is greater. Verse five, and indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi who receive the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithe from the people according to the law. Now he's going back to the law. That is from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. What is he saying here? He said, okay, we're talking about this issue about tithing, and he's trying to let the reader, first readers know that, hey, Melchizedek compared to Aaron, right? Um, you know, in Numbers chapter 18, the children of Israel were given a commandment to tithe to the priests, to the Levitical priesthood, okay? They were to tithe. Why? Because they didn't have lamb. They didn't have a livestock. They didn't have, you know, crops, Okay. When, when Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land, in the book of Joshua, okay, the 12 tribes of Israel, they divided the land. They all had a piece of land, with the exception of the Levite. The Lord did not want them to have a land. Why? Because the Lord was their inheritance. However, because of that, the Lord said, well, there's going to be tithe. And the tithe is going to be given to support the Levitical priesthood, so they could be busy in the temple. Because not only was it to support them, but it's also to, to keep up the, the temple, you know, to, to repair, to keep it together. It costs money to keep a temple. And that's why you find in the book of Acts, Peter said, hey, you know, when there was a, a, a dispute between the early church and the Hellenistic Jews, um, they didn't get a portion of their, of their, of the, of the, of the goods, and, and, and that's, when, that's when Peter said, hey, you know what? We need to appoint deacons to handle these things of caring for tables so we can devote ourselves into prayer and study the word of God. 
You know, there is an importance of that. So listen, I'm going to give you my address and you can mail your checks. No, just kidding. No, it's, again, I hear that. Like, oh, don't worry, we're not going to go there. We're not a prosperity kind of hyper-faith people, so don't worry about that. Um, anyway, so the, the, they, they, were, they were given a command to tithe to the, to the Levitical priests. Hood and, and that will support them because they didn't have land to support themselves. And so, what he's saying, the priests, who are the, you know, the Aaron and his descendants, the Levi, they they had to collect tithe from their fellow Jews. You see, their fellow, and there's a man collecting and giving and receiving from man. But here he says in verse six, look at verse six. But he Melchizedek, whose genealogy is not derived. From them, he's not from Aaron, not a descendant of Aaron, received tithe from Abraham and blessed them who had the promise. So what is he pointing out here? This is what he's trying to tell them. Listen, this Melchizedek, this priest, this king, it's great because Abraham tithed to him. And because Abraham tithed to him, by default, all of the children of Israel, all Jews... Or have tithes to say. And he goes on to say that. But let's read verse 7 and we read to verse 10. He goes on to say, Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser, that's Abraham and his descendants, it's blessed by the better. That's Melchizedek. Verse 8 through 10. Here, mortal men receive tithes. But there, he, speaking of Melchizedek, received them of whom it is witness that he lives. Verse 9, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithe through Abraham, so to speak. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So he's just saying, listen, he's talking to, going back to the first read of Hebrews. He's saying, yeah, this Melchizedek, he's better than, than, than Aaron. He's better. He's a king. He's a priest. He's the one that blessed, okay? He's, he's the priest of the Most High God. And he was the one that received tithe from Father Abraham. So you look into the temple for the high priest. Jesus is the great high priest who's from the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is better and greater than Aaron. And so now you look at all this and we just read all 10 verses. How does this apply to me? Well, first of all, the writer of Hebrews is going to continue to prove that Jesus is better than the high priest. He's the great high priest, and that his priesthood is forever. And we see this image, we see this person, Melchizedek, and from based on my, the way I look at it, it is a Christophany. It is Christophany. Now, whether you believe that or not, you want to be wrong, that's you. No, just kidding. No, no it, you know, whether you believe that, it, it's not going to change your faith, but I think it has great importance to know who this person is. That's, re, that's the reason why his name is mentioned, you know, nine times in the book of Hebrews. Aren't you glad you decided to join us today on Running the Race? Pastor Eddie has been making his way through the book of Hebrews in a series, Jesus is Better. We're learning some great truths about Jesus coming to be all that the Old Testament had talked about. The strength of God's Word and how it's fulfilled is something mighty to ponder. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
We pray that God's Word has been a discerner of your heart today. We're so glad you joined us for Running the Race. Running the Race is a radio ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church and hear more messages. Pastor Eddie has more to share with you in the book of Hebrews, so make sure you come back to hear more next time, here on Running the Race.